to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. We're so excited that you can be with us. We're going to be talking about what God is doing in the marketplace. And now, our host, Patrice Seguet. Welcome to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. I'm Patrice Seguet, your host. I am in Alpha, Ohio, at the headquarter of James Investment Research. This is neat. For those of you who do not know, there's a just a small influential company based in a little town here known as Alpha, Ohio. Is it that say right, Alpha, Ohio? Alpha, Ohio. Alpha, Ohio. James Investment Research Incorporated. And they're an investment research company really impacting the nation. I mean, Barry probably won't like me saying that, but it's true. And this kingdom company owned by a Christian family who, and the CEO is right here with me, very committed to advancing the cause of Christ. The more important than that, integrity in finances and excellence in investing. So I'm here at Barry's headquarters in his office. Beautiful office, beautiful campus. Uh, it's like a retreat area here. I mean, it's amazing. I don't know how folks get to work around here. It's so beautiful. Uh, so we're going to talk to uh, the CEO of James Investment Research Incorporated, Barry James. His father started the company, uh, and then uh, Barry is now the CEO, and his father, how old is your dad, Barry? 86. 86 years old. So, Barry, let's talk about uh, James Investment Research, kind of what you guys do, the impact you're having in the, in the industry, uh, what makes the company unique, uh, and you know, what, what are some of the things that you give us that's innovative and different? And also, as, as a Christian CEO, how you've been able to, uh, to be intentional about biblical principles as you do your business. But more important than that, how you leverage your influence and your, this platform to make an impact for Christ. Because you've been amazing at being very intentional at that. Let's start at the beginning. So we're going to talk to you about, and then Barry, by the way, also is, has authored a book called The Seven Timeless Principles in Investing. And we're going to get a little bit into that as you seek to know Barry and, and his company. Barry, let's go back a little bit. So what is James Investment Research? <laughs> well, we are an investment advisory firm. And when you think about it, people, when they think about their money, they don't want to make mistakes and they don't want to lose it after they've earned it. Mm -hmm. And our firm is designed to try to help manage risks so people can sleep well at night. And you go back and you look at our history through very, very turbulent times in the stock market, and we've been... Uh, I, I would say fairly successful with that. And really the firm got its start 73, 74. The market fell about 50%. Uh, my father was doing everything in the company. I was just a little high school lackey at the time and uh, made money. So he quit his day job as a professor wow. <laughs> to do this full time. And his goal was to get up to $10 million so he could buy a computer. He had been the first person to disprove the randomness of stocks. There was a book called The Random Walk Down Wall Street, and he, his thesis, his doctoral thesis disproved that. And so that's what he's used for investing all these years. So conservative firm, we actually do the research. That's why we are where we are. We do all the research ourselves. Don't buy anything, uh, any research from other people. We just buy the data and process it ourselves. Uh, today we manage about $5 billion, a little over $5 billion. Uh, and we actually do the, the research on the individual stocks, bonds, cash. We adjust the, the, the levels depending on the, uh, the risk tolerance of our clients. And we have mutual funds. We have uh, separately managed accounts through uh, uh, advisors. And then we have private, private accounts as well. So your typical clients would be private individuals, but not too many of those. 
If you look at it, about two-thirds of our business is through our mutual funds okay. and generally speaking advisors, people that, that work for a brokerage firm or an independent advisor, use our services for their clients. Okay. And then we have these other things through the through the advisors called separately managed accounts. And then we have private accounts and each of those to make up about one sixth of our uh, of our overall assets. And the core of your strength is your expertise in research and this model your father developed years ago. Right. The thing is, we do all the research ourselves, so there's no one to blame if it goes wrong but wow. the person looking at you in the mirror. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, but the other side of that is we invest our money exactly the same as our clients. We're in our funds. That's what we have for our retirement plan, our company, my money, my wife's money, my mom and dad's money. So we're, if it's good enough for our clients, it's good enough for us. And uh, that also keeps us on our toes. I love it. Let's go back a bit at the beginning. You know, we're an entrepreneurship organization. This show is about entrepreneurship from a biblical perspective. And I just love entrepreneurship startup stories. Your dad's a professor. Right. Uh, and he's teaching. And then he comes up with this idea um, about a unique way of investing. He does an investment and it works. Right. And then out of that, he says, oh, wait a minute. I, I want to buy a computer, yeah. right? I mean, you know, he's a professor. He's a he's a scientist, right? Right. Dad, give me his background a little bit. Well, he uh, got his uh, doctorate from Rensselaer up in New York, and uh, he was in the Air Force, and the Air Force said, just get your doctorate degree. I don't care what the dissertation was on. And he was tired of not making money in the stock market. Wow. So he wanted to figure out why he wasn't making it. And then that's one of the things that he learned is that stocks do not move randomly, and you can figure out... And it's, it's like a good baseball player. A, a stock that's a, appreciating better than the market overall over a long period of time will likely continue doing well. I wow. mean, it's even Newtonian physics. And that was what he quantified. It had not been quantified before that time. So he, he quantifies because of his own personal need. Exactly. Exactly. And then out of that, he wants to buy a computer. So well, yeah. <laughs> did he was the goal to make enough money for a computer or did he know you want to start a business doing this when he kind of launched out there? Well, when he started it, he had a, a friend who was a, a CPA and he had some uh, doctor clients. They had just passed the um, the ERISA laws back then. And so these doctors were trying to put money away into the retirement plan. So he asked my father to manage that because he knew my dad's research and what wow. he was doing for our family. We weren't we weren't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but uh, his success there in those two years, all of a sudden people came out of the woodwork saying, Stop coming to him. I hate, I hate losing money. You made money. I, I want to hire you. Wow. And so that's where it kind of, you know, uh, grew from there. At which point did your dad realize he had a business in that evolution? Uh, well, when he quit his, his day job as a, as an officer in the air force and a professor, wow. uh, he, he had enough he, client that he felt, you know what? I could keep doing this. Yeah. He had his retirement money from the Air Force. Yeah. He had, had enough years in and uh, he loved doing this. This was his passion, the, the research and analysis and so forth. And uh, he realized that he was very good at business. He and my mother both very good at business because they did this together. Wow. She was the, uh, the general manager and she was the treasurer. And so the, the two of them together uh, really did. Dad did kind of the operational sides and mom took care of the personnel and all the rest of that. So they launched his business. You are a teenager. Did anything feel different when dad 
became a full-time entrepreneur than it was before when dad was just an employee somewhere else? Well, I was, I was at the Air Force Academy when that happened. Ah. No, it didn't feel any different to me other than when I came home, they moved to a nicer house. <laughs> ah, so the business did well. <laughs> the business did, did wow. very well, yes. yes. So lesson learned here. He pursued his passion. Yes. Uh, he had, had a proof of concept. Yep. It was an area of his expertise. He had active revenue. Yeah, uh, he when he started, he had a he had a, a stable income until it proved itself. Then he launched full time. Right, his wife was right alongside him. Right, impressive. So I well, was, let me add just one thing. Yes, um, and he's very proud of this. He started the business with five hundred dollars of paid in capital. That is still the paid in capital of the business today. Wow! So we've gone five hundred dollars to the value of the firm today. Oh my overall. goodness! But again, that's you know you talking about low startup five years. So. I love it. Yeah. So, at which point do you get involved? Uh, well, when I was in the Air Force, I graduated from the academy. I was an instructor pilot and then a fighter pilot. And um, while I was doing that, uh, my father asked me to be on the board uh, of the company. One of the, his board guys had retired, so I was on the board for a, for a couple of years. And I saw where the business was going, and uh, my tour of duty in the Air Force was ending, and so... Um, you know, talked to he and my older brother who was involved with the business at the time about me coming back and, uh, and helping out. And they said, yeah, they, they wanted me. So that was 1980, end of 1986. At that point, did you have any idea that you might become CEO later? Um, it was my intention from the very so get-go. You, you, are, you, are you a naturally driven and ambitious guy? Barry? Uh, very, 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 <laughs> so very you goal came in driven, knowing that I want to be a leader. But, I, I mean, I, that's what I was trained to be wow. in the Air Force and Air Force Academy. So it was a, a natural use of uh, the, the gifts and the talents that uh, and the training that I'd had. I love it. What made you, let's go back about you, you know, next year we're going to be doing this series on the next generation. And you are next gen, a boomer next gen. Your dad is a, what were, kind of a guy. I mean, that's yeah. the, you know, what's the term they use for them? The faithful generation, the greatest generation, the greatest generation yeah. part of that generation. So I wish when you realize that you had leadership qualities coming up. And <laughs> well, what made you realize it? Um, well, I've, I've always questioned my leadership uh, abilities, but uh, when I was in, in school, I became an Eagle Scout. I was one of the, the leaders in the, you know, the, the, uh, the troop that we were in. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the academy, I did pretty well in the military side of things in terms of leading people. So I, I had some feel uh, that, that I could do that. Um, you know, you, you never really know if you can do it or not until you're put to do it. How, how do you go from questioning your leadership abilities to being assured that you could be CEO of this company? That's a great question. Um, I spent a lot of time getting the, the certifications and qualifications, a chartered financial analyst. Uh, um, I got a master's degree. So all of those things were added pieces to my underlying feeling of, uh, you know, that I, I can actually do the job. Um, then in terms of, you know, leading the, the business, uh, what I have always found is I'm a very creative person. And, um, my creativity comes out in the marketing area probably the best. Mm. And so when I came aboard, we had about 186 million, and today we have over 5 billion. Wow. So I, I don't claim the credit for that, but I do claim that I was here mm. during that period of time, and that was an emphasis of mine. And um, uh, so 
you know, I could see that I had some things that I offered. And, and as I got to see that I, I, I'm a reasonably good uh, face of the business, uh, you know, I do a lot of television, radio, um, and, uh, you know, other types of, of press uh, interviews and the like. So that is one side of it. And then I guess the biggest thing is I'm surrounded by incredible people. Wow. Um, the people that we've hired here, um, you know, are, are so much more competent in their areas of strength. And my father is always emphasized, and I've learned from him, uh, put people in their area of strength and they will surprise you at how well they do and how little you have to do. Wow. <laughs> and so that's our emphasis with everybody in the firm is always find their area of strength. And it's generally what they like to do anyways. Mm. And then it covers for all the rest of our weaknesses. Uh, so it. my weaknesses are covered many times over. If it were just me on my own out there, uh, I'd be flailing pretty badly. So you joined the company and you guys about a hundred and a hundred and what number? That's 186 million. Said, how many staff? Uh, we had about, I think, 14 staff. 14 staff. Time. Today you are over 5 billion. How many staff today? Um, maybe 24, 24. 25. I love that. You're your overhead has stayed pretty low over the yeah, years. Productivity gains it. through computers. We did all the programming of computers. In fact, we developed the first um, uh, computer program for portfolio management. We yeah. almost sold it. I mean, yeah. we, we tried to sell it, but the, we didn't have a good salesman. Uh, or we could have been become a software company, <laughs> wow. uh, but we we stayed with our with our knitting. So we did that for many many years. So we've got a number of people that were programming, and that was part of even I had to do a program <laughs> before I could get that checked off you know, my my wow. checklist. So 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 the evolution of technology enables you guys to do more with less. Exactly. Now exactly. let's talk about the milestones. Do you remember when you hit your first billion, and how and how did it feel like? Well, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty pretty amazing. Um, in the um, oh, I guess uh, mid '80s or so, I think we we hit a uh, mid to late '80s. We we hit a, a billion dollars, um, and um, it got up to uh, in the late '90s up to about 1.2 billion. Maybe it was the '90s actually that we we hit a billion dollars. Um, and we had a big celebration. We went on, uh, well, you, you can see a picture of, of uh, some of the vacations we've taken employees. When we hit a major milestone, we take everybody and their families oh, someplace. We've been on cruises. We've are you, been are you hiring me? I want to work this place. <laughs> I love it. Well, if you stay with us 10 years, you get a trip. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. So, um, and we share profits here. So we have very little turnover. I mean, wow. almost none. The investment staff has been with us on average over 20 years. Wow. And, and that's what thing makes you unique. So um, how you take a, you know, in biblical entrepreneurship, we talk about this whole idea of kingdom companies, about the transmission and price with measurement beyond the triple bottom to include an eternal bottom line, people, planet, property, eternity. Let's talk a bit about that, how that plays on this company. You invest in your people. Yes. I, I mean, talk about that a bit. Well, uh, you know, any education they want, if they want to get certifications and things like that, we, we pay for all that. We really, really encourage education because wow. that improves the, the company and it improves, obviously, the individual's value to the company as and well. And then this profit sharing plan, you and your that your management teams, you guys are not on, on a salary, from what I understand. You, well, you we have a small salary. Small salary. And then most of it is made up at the end of the year with sharing the profits and, and we share a tremendous amount of the with profits your staff. with 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 everybody here from the person who answers the phone to the portfolio managers all share in the profits 
Somebody sure. listening saying that's dangerous and ill-advised. <laughs> what would you say? Well, turnover of your personnel is one of the most um, costly, difficult things. Yeah. Be- yeah, that's such a huge cost, and you got to retrain somebody. And so, that's the culture. Yeah, and so you know the people here, um, you know, they they know that it goes up and it goes down because mm. we have a cyclical business, and they've been through the downs when the late '90s when. Companies with no earnings were doing well, and we wouldn't buy them. Uh, we lost two thirds of our business. Wow! But my father said to all of us senior guys, he "says We're all taking a pay cut. Wow! We're going to keep our team together because this will end. It, it's not a permanent situation." And so we did. We did take pay cuts and uh, and and pretty significant pay cuts at that time. You guys put your the way you go to the extra mile for your employ- for your staff. I mean, I mean for your customers. Uh, we, we at Timothy Plan. I'm on the. I'm a trustee with Timothy Plan. You are one of our. We are client of yours, Timothy. Right. And right. just how you've come alongside Timothy has been impressive. I'm assuming you do that for all your, all your, all your customers. Maybe not as far as you've done with Timothy, because part of the part of your values. But let's talk about that because you know, oftentimes companies sell enough to earn the money they got. They don't go the extra mile, and so customer retention is an issue. Yeah. How does that play out here? Well, uh, we've always tried to put our, our customers first. Um, if we make a mistake and, you know, not obviously if we pick the wrong stock because nobody can control that. Um, but uh, if we make a mistake, we make it right for the client. Mm. Uh, no questions asked. It's only money. Uh, we, um, we do the research. We could try to communicate well with our clients. Uh, so we, 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 and everybody here will tell you the clients are number one and you do the right thing, period. I love it. it just, love there's it. no question about that. And that builds long-term relationships. And, and, and even when maybe the performance isn't as high as other people, mm. people say, you know, I trust them. Mm. I trust them. And uh, I know that they're not doing anything that would harm me. So that, that's an important aspect. And then we try to treat the people here. We, we try um, in our vision statement, we talk about trying to follow God-honoring principles. We've got a little thing called our guiding principles and how do we treat people here and, and you know, the dignity and respect that they deserve and, um, you know, um, and how we deal with mistakes and the like. So it's, it's all, it all comes together um, in, in how we act and how we present ourselves internally and hopefully it looks the same externally as well. Planet, the commitment to community, commitment to making sure that you're giving back to the community you do business as you do business there. You guys are pretty intentional about contributing to the well-being of, of Dayton, of, of Alpha. We really are. Uh, we, uh, we give um, a good chunk of our, of our profits uh, uh, away each year and then we support uh, other, other uh, entities and you know i think of our church we have a, a thing at um uh, at christmas each year that is dealing with the poor kids and uh, helping them have you know a christmas if you will uh, and so that's one of the things that we sponsor and then other you know charitable activities we sponsor a lot of those um it's um it's it, it, let me just say one thing when you give personally uh it should be done anonymously but when you've got a business you never give anonymously. Mm. You have, uh, why is that? Tell well, us about that because that's an important point. Well, uh, when I talk to, and, and, I, and we have won Community Supporter of the Year a couple years in a row um, 
uh, through the Dayton Business Journal. And we said, don't put us up anymore for it. Let somebody else win it so they get encouraged <laughs> to do this. Um, but you improve the lives of the people in your community when you give to your community. Mm. Uh, you make it more attractive to hopefully more people will move there. And then you'll get more business. Mm. So, you know, as part of it, uh, and you don't have to give, you know, um, vociferously, but you take the credit for it. So if you sponsor something, that's good. Your name gets out there in a marketing sense and, and uh and, and so people see your name affiliated with a good cause. Mm-hmm. And that can, again, you know, build a confidence in the underlying business. And it's, that also helps that organization. I know exactly. for an organization, exactly. when a company sponsors, that encourages others to want to step up. Exactly. It gives credibility that yep. organization. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So it, it's very, very important that, uh, that companies, I don't, like, I don't like the term giving back because we're not giving back. We're just giving. I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> uh, it. But... Um, uh, it, it is it is a wise thing to do. And, you know, it's uh, the, the story of the, the sower that you reap what you sow. You only reap what you sow. You reap back more than what you sow. I love that. So uh, that's that's all part of it as well. It, there, it, it, it's just the fact that's the way God operates. Now, let's talk about profit. Some people are listening and say, wait a minute, they're investing in employees. They're profit sharing, take them on trips, invest in the community. Are they making any money? Because as a, king, as, a, as a kingdom company, you got to do it profitably. Oh, you don't have the money to do all the other things. How do you ensure that you do it profitably, Barry? We, uh, well, that's one of the things about sharing profits. Everybody in the firm wants to see more business come mm-hmm. in the door, business stay, and in our case, to make the clients money because we get paid a percentage of what the clients have. Mm-hmm. So if they go up, we get a pay hike. If they go down, we get a pay cut. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the you know, the revenue side of it. But the other side of it is if you spend a lot of money, there won't be as much profits to share. So everybody is motivated to keep I the cost down. I love it. Any way we can, I negotiating and, and renegotiating things. Everybody here doesn't want to overspend. All the incentives are aligned. Yeah, exactly. The clients, yeah. which yeah. is most important yeah. with our with our company, yeah. with the individuals. Here. And it was important too in the family business it can be tricky because at time the employees can feel as if they're working for the well-being only of the family. Yep. But when the yep. interests are aligned, you don't have that divide between family employees. Would you say that? That's very true. And one thing we do is, um, you know, there's the, the, the um, you don't put a muzzle on the ox in the field. Mm. We don't have any cap on anybody's salary here. I love so uh, if somebody. You know, and marketing does so well, they make more than me. I'm happy because that benefits everybody. It benefits me too. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody you know, else in the business is, is doing exceptionally well. So, um, you know, that, that is sometimes a problem if you pay really well. Uh, you know, people may think, oh, I've got it made. That's right. And that's, that's the other side of the that's equation. Right. But that's, that's, right. a, that's a rare thing that you're doing that well, <laughs> that, that that would uh, rear its head. Let's talk about eternity. Uh, you're... I see you of this company. I know you personally. You're very intentional about your faith. Uh, you're very intentional about integrating your faith to your leadership, your management, your team, and so forth. So how does that work for you? You know, how does eternity or how does the kingdom aspect of leadership and management play into you, you and your business? Well, it, of course, is defines how we should relate to people, both our employees and our clients um, and that the type of standards we'd like to see the respect that we treat them with the honesty and integrity all of that is is just you know straight line biblical the other side of it is um, 
you know, when you deal with money, sometimes you, you think, well, man, this is a very secular job. Mm. And yet um, the Bible talks more about money than any other subject. There are about 2,000 verses about money wow. in the Bible. And because Jesus, you know, even said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That's right. That's so right. where your treasure is. Right. So um, money is the language that speaks to people's hearts in, in the end. Mm. Uh, so we have an opportunity to do that. So we've uh, a number of us have become kingdom advisors. Mm. So we've learned better how do you work with your clients, disciple them, if I can use that word, uh, you know, towards how to best handle money. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and being generous and things of that nature. Uh, so, uh, you know, personally, um, you know, I, I, there was a time when I wanted to quit and become a missionary. And God, I think, said very clearly, no, I've got you right where I want you. And I said, really? Making rich people richer? That's where you want me to be? And then it took a number of years for me to then come and find about kingdom advisors mm -hmm. and find out, you know, the impact that we can have there and uh, lots of other things that uh, that we can do. So, um, maybe it's maybe it's kind of quiet, but it's who we are, uh, and I don't think you should try to be something other than who you are. Um, but you know, your faith—if you walk it—it it speaks a lot more than if you talk it. There are some people's concern about being intentional with their faith is that I'll be judged. We could lose clients. Yep. Uh, it could be seen as uh, it could get in trouble with the law. Talk a bit about that. How do you navigate? Yeah, the thing that bothers me the most about. Um, businesses that hold themselves out as Christian businesses mm. is that they don't do a good job. Mm. They don't have integrity. Mm. And, you know, people grab their wallet if you lead, well, I'm a Christian business. Mm. Um, I always tell people, even if they're Christians, I say, hire us for our, our competence mm. and our capabilities mm. and our ethics. Mm. And then if we, you know, because we are Christians, if that's if that's important to you, then good. Mm. But that shouldn't be the leading thing. You you need to hire someone that can really do the job for you. So I always encourage uh, you know Christian business people to um, walk the walk, uh, so that when people look at you, they say that's who they want. Now I've had I had a, a lady in Florida, and um, you know we don't hide who we are. We don't proselytize you know to our clients uh, but occasionally we'll we'll say things of a spiritual nature but uh, this person in florida said you know i don't believe what you believe but i'm glad you do <laughs> and that to me was I okay okay so i don't I, if it has cost us business then that's okay mm. um and, and the one thing in the business community and especially my field i'm not in competition with other christian advisors mm. uh, because god has given them talents and skills and and, and things that work with certain people, and my firm works with other people, and there's plenty of business. There's no there's no shortage of business, and people that have that you know poverty mindset think if you you get my client, then I'm going to be poor. No, and we've seen it over and over again. You know where clients do move on or whatever, and there's there's others out there. You just got to work hard and do a good job. Wow. Barry, with that commitment, you actually hosted biblical information for your staff, and you actually sat in through it as well. Uh, what, what, how was your experience with entrepreneurship? Oh, well, it was it was really good. the um, The team uh, got exposed to what the Bible really says, and that's important. We want the next generation to have the same uh, core beliefs. Um, they don't, you know, they, they don't have to be a Christian to work here. And we have people that are that are not Christian, or even some Muslims who work here, and that's fine. Um, they have to share our values. That's right. They, they can't. That. There's no. There's no if, or and, buts, nors about that. 
and, uh, and, and anybody can hold the same values that we hold. Okay. Um, but we want that as much as we can to continue. And it opened up the eyes of a number of people here about the fact that you can integrate your work and your worship, as you like to talk about. Yes, 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 yes. Now, Barry, as we wrap up here, um, you are a major supporter of entrepreneurship. Uh, you mentor a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, you support me in my project. You inspire entrepreneurship uh, in other parts of in this region here. You host. Why is entrepreneurship education or biblical entrepreneurship why is it important for you where you invest your time, time, and treasure in that space? It's so hard. It is hard. <laughs> people people um, starting a business up, um, once they start it, they realize just how difficult it is and how many things are stacked against them. Wow. Um, just over and over again, it, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. But the way I view it is um, your, self, your self-worth um, not your self-image necessarily, but your self-worth often comes from uh, doing something that the odds were stacked against you and you, you fight your way through it. Amen. And uh, it, it builds a community when you have people that are willing to take a risk. And it, um, it is the way to grow our economy. Most of the jobs in this country are from small businesses. And they started, That's they right. were a startup and then they That's grew right. to a certain size. And, uh, you know, they're very, very few people actually hired by the big massive companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the core of, of success in any society, I think, is that entrepreneurial drive and spirit. And as long as we've got that in the United States, I think you know we'll be okay. It's when you lose it, then you become like Europe, That's right. where everyone is just based off of what the state gives them. And negative economic growth. Exactly. It's not flourishing. Exactly. Barry, what advice would you share Given what your, your father went through, giving your own experience, and entrepreneurs listening, and they want to just, what's the one thing that they can walk away with that would be important that you feel? Do not quit. I love it. I, uh, I started up a little business to try to help people start businesses, um, and uh, you know we'd give them some funding and the like. And the research, and I talked to professors that taught entrepreneurship and the like, and they had nothing that could define what was the keys to success. Mm. They, had, they had nothing. Uh, and then I read, um, I can't remember what the magazine was, uh, but they did a study and they found that the only thing they could have, it wasn't your education, wasn't your background, wasn't your family, wasn't any money you had. There was one common thing to people that were successful starting a business. They had failed five times. Wow. Or wow. More. Wow. And they just didn't quit. They wow. just didn't quit. Wow. And so, um, you know. It, it is not an easy thing. And there will be failures within your business. As I told you, when we lost two-thirds of our business, you know, I didn't know if that would be the end of our business or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, and fortunately, it, it, it wasn't. Uh, but, you know, you don't know what tomorrow brings, and you don't know if your business will be around tomorrow. So live today, um, you know, with, with faith uh, and with, uh, you know, integrity uh, as you go through the day. And things, things will work out. They will work out. Good advice. Started with $500 today, over $5 billion on the management. Uh, Barry James, the author of Timeless, Seven Timeless Principles of Investing, and also the CEO of James Investment Research Group, uh, Research Incorporated. 
And um, uh, Bear, we're going to have another an, another uh, uh, show, if you don't mind, because I want to deal with your book and I want to deal with you as an investor, if okay. you don't mind. Uh, so I'm glad you, you're listening to us. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want more information about James Investment Research, Bear, what's the website? www.jir-inc.com. And our mutual funds is just jamesfunds.com. Wow. Go there and get more information about, about them. And just learn about that company. If you're ever in Alpha, Ohio, or Dayton, you can uh, visit their headquarters. I hope you enjoy the program. But again, stick around next week because we're going to get into his book and uh, Bear Gyms as an investor. Uh, if you want more information about how to walk out your own entrepreneurship journey or you have questions for us, visit our website, nehemiahproject.org, nehemiahproject.org. Let me leave you with this. My prayer for you is that God will give you the grace and favor to build that kingdom company so that one day you can hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for being with us today. We're glad you could join us. If you'd like more information or other resources, please visit our website, www.nehemiahproject.org. God bless.